The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Something else we played a little bit earlier was a bit of Sharon Osbourne's conversation with the US late night talk show host Bill Maher. Take a listen. When people go, my heritage, my legacy, this, that, the other, it's like, yeah, well, what about the Jews, mate? And you go, well, what about the Irish? What about yeah, the Scottish? It. You could go on and oh, on yeah, I and mean, on. I don't think people understand. My people, the Irish people, um, were subjugated by your people, the English. <laughs> hey, I'm half Irish. Give me a break. People forget what, what happened but to the I, Irish, where the English treated the Irish despicably, and it went on for yeah, years yeah. and years and years. So, you know, again, it's not a competition. It isn't a competition. All, we're, all I'm ever saying is, let, let's be realistic. Let's be realistic and look at things with perspective. There's a lot of suffering and a lot of reasons for suffering. Yeah, you've got to move on. At some point, you've got to let it go. All right, that was Sharon Osborne and Bill Maher uh, speaking. The most objectionable part, I think, was Bill Maher suggesting that we're his people. Um, anyway, uh, Dr. Mary McAuliffe is with me, the historian and director of gender studies at UCD. Mary, uh, it's always good to talk to you and thanks for taking the time. Um, I mean, do, do you think we should follow Sharon's advice and move on? Well, no, I, I don't think so. And, and she's right. It's not about, uh, you know, oppression Olympics either. Um, but we also have to understand uh, our past in order to understand our future and our present. You know, why why are we speaking English um, on this radio program? Because you know we're a colonised people, and our language uh, was was uh, denigrated and gotten away with thinking this was the language of power and of business and of culture. Um, and speaking Irish would get you nowhere. Um, and education was through English. So that just is one explanatory note as to what you uh, and I are speaking I, English. I, I, re- I, so I, I just, I'm sorry to, um, we, we, the kind of the line gave out a little bit on it there. So we'll, we'll get you back on another line, uh, Mary, if that's all right, because uh, this is a really interesting area that I do want to explore. And I, I, I love that uh, phrase, the oppression Olympics. Um, uh, which they touched on there a little bit uh, as well, and and one uh, people's trying to kind of out oppress or be out oppressed uh, by by another. So there, there's an awful lot to unpack in all of it. So we're going to get Mary up uh, on another line. Uh, while we do, uh, it just gives me a, an opportunity to mention a couple of other things uh, that we we did cover on the show as well uh, that are worth listening back to. Uh, Dublin Airport have had their wings clipped uh, quite literally. They are going to have to reduce the number of flights uh, taking off and landing at the airport on foot of enforcement proceedings uh, from Fingal County Council. We spoke to Porik Okeja, uh, the founder of uh, Erlingus Regional and a former senator uh, who is a bit nonplussed about the decision. Now he agrees that, listen, if it's a condition of planning, you have to adhere uh, to it. But he makes the point that we want the airport to be busy. We want lots of flights taking off and landing because it is good for uh, the country, good for the economy. Alan Farrell, the TD, the Fine Gael TD from that area, uh, more sympathetic, I think, to the view of locals um, who uh, have found planes taking off and landing at a much higher frequency than they were expecting 
uh, given the conditions attached to the uh, planning permission in 2007. So you can listen back to what they had to say if you want to understand the issues there in Dublin Airport. Uh, we had a com- our conversation on the show at about a quarter past four uh, today, but it's available, the entire conversation with both gentlemen. Uh, it is up as a podcast. It is on uh, the News Talk app. I mentioned Donald Gleeson uh, as well, and that is really worth uh, listening back to. While I mentioned Donald Gleeson, I mean, they're like Hollywood stars or kind of Irish Hollywood stars. They're kind of like Dublin buses, I guess. You wait for them for an awful long time and then two come along at once because uh, hot off uh, Donald Gleeson today, uh, Neil Jordan is going to be joining me uh, on the show tomorrow uh, to talk about uh, his new book uh, and a whole lot more as well. Besides, Neil is always interesting, whatever uh, he happens to be in to talk about. So anyway, that's coming up uh, tomorrow. Mary McAuliffe is back uh, with me now. Uh, Mary, apologies for that. And, and thank you for your patience. Um, so I, I, I'm not sure if you heard me. I was saying I, I like that phrase, the oppression Olympics, um, w- which they touched on there. But you were making the point that like the very fact that we are having this conversation in English uh, is an indication of of our history. Oh, and it's also the an indication of the legacies of history. And if you know, we just can't move on from history. It is all around us. It impacts in so many ways in our present and influences our future. So to say that we need to move on from it is is in many ways ridiculous. And also, it would put me out of a job, which <laughs> you know wouldn't be a good thing. Um, I, I wanted to give kind of maybe Sharon Osborne and, and Bill Maher uh, the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they were suggesting that, you know, you can you can understand your history, but you don't have to be a prisoner of it. And I don't think too many people are prisoners of history. I mean, an understanding of it can also bring, uh, you know, campaigns for restorative justice around certain horrendous happenings in history, like uh, as we have had here with things like the Magdalene Laundries and the mother and baby homes. Um, And we also have to, um, you know, understand that certain countries um, are still uh, suffering under the impacts of being post-colonial. Having been colonized nations, had their resources stripped, uh, had their their institutions and their societies and cultures ruined. Um, And then post-independence, they have problems uh, no more than we had ourselves with war, civil war, etc. And and if we don't understand how that happens, uh, perhaps we then can never move on to to um, resolving that. And moving on to resolve it means what exactly? Well, understanding where the roots of of what the influences are, understanding the trajectories of our histories, and they're complex, and you know it's not a linear thing. Um, so understanding the complications of history, understanding, for example, why certain peoples are marginalized within societies and communities and why um, and how that continued and, and the inheritances of, you know, racism, uh, you know, um, uh, anti-migrant uh, attitudes, etc. within a society helps us resolve those issues in our current society. I guess as well, we have to um, acknowledge that uh, there, there was a kind of a US context as well to 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 the conversation between Sharon Osborne is from London somewhere, I think, and is back yeah. living in the UK, but it spent a huge amount of time uh, in the US. And Bill Maher, of course, despite his claim to be Irish and that we're his people, is absolutely an American. Um, uh, and I, I wonder, is, is that maybe where you see evidence more of oppression Olympics? 
well, I think that is very much um, a trope of the right wing, uh, particularly when it comes to talking about slavery. Uh, oh, and, the old um, white slave. The Irish were slaves too, Mary. <laughs> they certainly were not. Um, so the, uh, you know, and, and it's that discourse that who who suffered worse. And you can see that with Ron DeSantis in Florida saying that, you know, people got some skills under the slave system, uh, which is a ridiculous thing to say and, and an offensive thing to say. Um, so in the American context, it's all bound up in race. Um, and critical race theory um, and attitudes towards the the history of slavery. I mean, as a historian, how do you view that kind of level of revision? History is never probably immune from politics and to suggest otherwise is maybe naive, but I mean, that's pretty flagrant revisionism. Oh, it is. Um, Absolutely. And I mean, we constantly change our histories because, of course, we find more material I mean, our, our revolutionary history has been in a, a, a flux of changes over the last decade because of our access to more and more materials, particularly of people like women who were involved in the revolutionary period. So history is not set in stone. It's always changing um, as, as generations write it. But there's also this sort of revisionist practice that is based not in research, and fact and analysis, mm. but in politics. Uh, and that is the type of history that's dangerous and actually not what the, the paper is written on. And is, is, is that something we've engaged in in this country, revisionist history like that, in the uh, early days think, of the state? You know, in, in, yeah, some people did engage in that. You know, they talked about, you know, the, the idea of, of um, patriotism and there were certain revisionist ideas of republicanism uh, that fed into uh, the idea of violence as a method of achieving what we want. Uh, but, you know, in many ways, um, I was just reading today the diaries of Kathleen Lynn, and she's talking about rejecting the treaty and, and being prepared to go back to war in 1922. Um, and these were people who were fully committed to an ideal, and they were willing to use violence to do that. And mm-hmm. yet we admire them. I did, the 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 more removed we get in time, the easier it gets to revise that history. Does it? Yes and no. I mean, the more removed we are, the harder it is to find evidence. If you go back further, mm-hmm. say into our medieval period and our earlier period, but we constantly go back to the records and we constantly reread into them. And what you learn as a historian is how to do critical analysis. And you and I could read the same material, but we could come up with slightly different or very different analyses mm. uh, of that material and write different histories. Well, listen, it's, it's really interesting stuff uh, um, uh, and uh, an enjoyable conversation, Mary. So thanks for taking the time. Dr. Mary McAuliffe is a historian and she's director of gender studies at UCD as well. Kevin says, do you hear the English banging on about the Norman invasions? no. What would the Irish be like if they didn't have this hatred of English to lean on? They'd have to stand on their own. Somebody else says, it's great we don't speak Irish. One of the few benefits from being colonised. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.